Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch into this Christmas Day edition of the program. That's right. We're here in the studio bringing you live content where pretty much every other person in the radio industry is taking the day off. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. Uh, And, of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Before we get started, I want to welcome uh, some new listeners on Wood 1300 in Grand Rapids. Now, anybody who's been listening to the show before tonight knows that we have an affiliate in Grand Rapids, uh, but it's on a different. Uh, we have a different station normally in Grand Rapids. It's WTKG. That's where we normally appear, which is 12:30 on the dial. But tonight we have a special appearance on the number one talk station in Grand Rapids, and that's Wood 1300. So, to those of you that were tuning in expecting, I think maybe Michael Savage. I think he might be on normally during this time. You're going to hear something completely different. And we are here live, so when we say we want to hear from you and you can call in about anything, we're absolutely serious. And so we're going to start things out by going to the phones. We'll start with Matt in Illinois, and then we're going to talk with uh, Jim Babka from DownsizedDC.org. But Matt, you got in first on the amp line. Hey, Ian. Hi, Julia. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hey, great. What's on your mind? Uh, Merry Christmas. Good luck to, uh, to you in Grand Rapids. Oh, indeed. Well, uh, just looking uh, looking forward to maybe talking with some new listeners tonight for the first time. I'd like to hear from them. Anyway, um, yesterday I was out with my son, and we got into a uh, discussion about the initiation of force. Okay. And uh, he actually turned out to be a little bit wiser um, than I was on this issue. Really? I was telling him that I could understand where... Certain words that could be spoken to elicit a a physical response from somebody else. And he told me that he felt that if he said anything to anybody, or if anybody said anything to him that caused that person to initiate force, that he felt that that person was weak. The person who was initiating the force was weak, is what you're saying? Yes. And I thought that was a rather mature thing for a 14-year-old to say. Whereas I was thinking that, you know, somebody who uh, is able to say something in a very emotional way to somebody else that would cause that person to um, throw a punch. Yeah, like insulting their girlfriend or mother or hairstyle or whatever it is that the person would, was taking uh, a little too seriously. Maybe throwing out some uh, vitriol in their direction might uh, certainly encourage people to get violent. And, and I absolutely uh, agree with your son in that case. That that's, it's a barbaric response, and it's far more civilized to, uh, to turn the other cheek. Right. And, um, you know, I, I was saying that I could understand. I wasn't condoning it. Right. But I was saying that I could understand where uh, where that um, that could happen, and that was why I was, or that was why I would call you. Was I wanted to know what you thought of? Could you understand uh, somebody uh, throwing a punch from from being spoken to the wrong way, or or would 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 you agree with my son more? Well, I, I think, yeah, I'm definitely with your son on that one. I, I think that resorting to violence is completely unnecessary, and it, 
with the exception of uh, of self-defense. But I can certainly understand that people would feel very upset, I mean, if they were attacked verbally. But I don't ever think a verbal attack ever uh, requires any sort of violent response. Julia? Well, I like to think that we're sort of above that now, that as human beings, we have the ability to think and be rational. And that dealing with, I mean, to, to be able to stop and think about something before just automatically violently lashing out or something of that sort... I, I just see it as really barbaric. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And yeah, so then the question was to go further. Is there ever anything that anybody could speak, any kind of spoken word that would constitute the initiation of force? Boy, I don't think so. Can you think of something? I am very, nothing offends me, so, I mean, you could say anything you want to me, yeah, and I, I don't mean, think that I could ever get violent. Sticks and stones, Matt. I mean, what could possibly, I mean, how could words ever be connotated as initiation of force? I suppose you could suggest that one might threaten the initiation of force, and then I think you're getting into some pretty sticky territory, but I don't even know if a threat is necessarily as equivalent to the actual initiation of force. Right, and that's where... Um Actually, my son kind of uh, stood out uh, from me, and he was taking that that exact stance that um, speaking or saying something is no re- is, is should not be initiating force. Initiating force is not until somebody actually physically threatens you or tries to uh, tries to hit you. Right. It's uh, it's certainly uncouth to yell, I'm going to kill you at somebody. I was just going to say that. Uh, but, you know, unless you're you're actually making a motion towards being violent or looking like you're pulling a weapon or whatever, uh, it's just words. And in that case, probably the most sensible thing to do would be to prepare oneself for an eventual conflict. Uh, but there's not really anything. You, you couldn't possibly be justified in initiating force as a preemptive measure uh, in that particular case, I don't think. Right, and and here's where the you know the, the United States government is preemptively uh, going to war against certain countries, which I think is the same thing, you know, the same uh, it's the same type of of reaction. Um, yeah, it, people making threats. Yeah, it definitely is, and and really the threats weren't even necessarily there. Of course, if you really want to go uh, go back into uh, history a little bit, when George Bush was, uh, I guess, had just gotten into office prior to 9/11 uh, even happening, they already had the Iraq thing on the table. So this was something they wanted to go and do, regardless of the the terrorism incident. Uh, it was just something that they wanted to, to to have an excuse to go out and get involved in, and so really that's that's even it's a totally different situation. But generally, what you're saying I think is is pretty accurate. Right. So I guess the the point being made is sometimes even uh, even a father can learn from his son, and um, because you know after he said that, I started to think you know he's right. There is there's there's absolutely no reason I shouldn't even consider. Uh, being able to say, well, gee, gosh, if he said this, then yeah, he deserved to get hit. You know, I think it really, I think it really speaks to uh, a certain ter- a certain type of personality, a, a really uh, positive personality that you must have in order to uh, to not sort of have that looking down your nose attitude at, well, you know, he's younger than me, so therefore uh, I know everything and I'm so wise. And clearly, you're you're humble enough to be able to learn from uh, from your son. Was that what just was that just a heartwarming moment or what, Matt? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it was good because I realized that this is something that I hadn't taught him, that he just learned on his own. Right. And um, 
and it, it was correct. And even though I was thinking, well, you know, I could, you know, I could have an understanding as to why somebody would do that. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong to have that kind of understanding. Yep. Out of the mouths of babes, uh, the student becomes the master, so on and so forth. Matt, great call, and thanks as always, and happy holidays, happy new year, and all that good stuff. Happy holidays. Yep, 800, <laughs> solstice, uh, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever whatever you celebrate. Day off for me. I, I hope you've been enjoying your day off. I know we've been enjoying ours here uh, together in uh, beautiful Keene, New Hampshire. And, uh, of course, here live for you on this live Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. And, again, you can bring up anything as always. Of course, we've got things that, uh, that we want to get into. Most importantly, uh, at this point in time, Jim Babka from DC.org. He's the the president of DC.org, waiting very patiently his uh, his turn here. Uh, Jim, you're there, I hope. My turn? Yes. Oh, okay, I better put the eggnog down. <laughs> I really appreciate you taking some time out from uh, what is inevitably a uh, day with the family, Jim. I know that you've got a fairly large family, and uh, and you're taking time out to come on Free Talk Live, which well, I really just, appreciate. We just finished with the family thing, and uh, now I'm in the uh, food hangover stage where you really <laughs> want to take a nap. So I'll try not to fall asleep right here in the middle, but Merry Christmas to you, Ian and Julia. Oh, very good. We, Thank uh, you. We celebrated by uh, getting some Chinese takeout today. <laughs> you know, anything works. I was so happy. I didn't know if they were going to be open, but when they said they were open seven days, they really apparently meant it. So. I knew they. You know, I knew they would be open. I've seen a Christmas story. They, did you get them to sing "Fa Ra 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 Ra"? Oh my too? goodness! We're going to come back with more. Hang on, Jim Babka, <laughs> DownsizedDC.org. We're going to find out what the latest is uh, over at Downsize DC. Great website, great organization. Many of our uh, new listeners tonight on Wood 1300 in Grand Rapids probably have never heard of you before in Downsize DC. So we're going to give them the introduction here in moments and hear from you as well at 800-259-9231. This is the Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. I, I swear, I haven't been having eggnog today at all, unlike our guest Jim Babka, who we'll bring back here in a moment. But that's 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for for Jim or you just want to bring up whatever's on your mind this Christmas Day, uh, the Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. We're in the studio uh, joining you. You can also join us online at freetalklive.com, where we have the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. In fact, I can tell you that there's going to be an update coming out maybe tonight, certainly very, very soon, announcing the release of my upcoming audiobook version of The Market for Liberty. Now, I didn't write the book. I just turned it into an audiobook, and we're going to be giving it out online for free. So if you want to be the first to know when that happens, definitely get signed up at updates.freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save. LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. We go to Jim Babka, the president of DownsizedDC.org. Jim, we've got new listeners on in Grand Rapids tonight, and of course, uh, there's always new people tuning in all across the country. What is it? Uh, what is DownsizedDC.org? Well, DownsizedDC.org is a website. It's an organization, um, both, and they, that, this organization gives people the opportunity to contact their representative and senators on issues of, co- of concern. We summarize the issues. We boil them down for you, give you the talking points, Make it very simple to tell Congress to reduce the size of the federal government. 
Our system is free and easy to use. You simply type in your basic contact information. The system comes back and tells you who your representative and two senators are and, and uh, then sends off a personalized message delivered simultaneously to all three of their website forms mm-hmm. and fills out those forms for you and, and uh, allows you to communicate. And because that contact information is, is included, that office knows that it is hearing from a constituent and constituent messages are counted and read. And we're looking uh, here at DownsizeDC.org to build an army so large that Congress cannot afford to ignore us. Excellent. And it's really a brilliant system that effectively leverages uh, the Internet in order to coordinate efforts to contact these legislators. You know, in the past, if you wanted to get in touch with your so-called representative, uh, you would have to pick up the phone or snail mail or maybe, you know, um, go physically to their form on their website, maybe in more recent times, and fill it out yourself. DownsizeDC.org allows people to bypass all of that. Uh, And like you said, you just you sign up once and it's free, of course. And then you uh, will get people on the Downsize DC Dispatch, which is a periodic email that comes out alerting uh, folks to what's going on in DC and how they can take action. They literally go click a few buttons uh, and all of a sudden they're at DownsizeDC.org. All their info is already there uh, from when they signed up before. And they're able to contact their representatives with literally just a few clicks of a mouse. And really, it's made, it's made that whole process so much more streamlined, so, uh, so easy. It, there's really no excuse to not get involved at this point because DownsizeDC.org makes it easy. And because it's the Internet and you're sending out these messages to thousands of recipients all at the same time, how big is your uh, your current Downsizer dispatch list, Jim? Uh, we have over 20,000 subscribers on the list right now. So, these are hardcore, dedicated people by this right. point. And, uh, uh, you know, because not everybody likes everything we have to say, and that's fine. But uh, you can pick and choose the issues right. that you like. And if you don't, you can pass on those. You don't have, you know, no requirement to send a message. Uh, you can just hang out and read if you want, or or delete the message and wait till tomorrow's message and see if that's something that uh, suits your taste better. But, but you know, another thing that happens yeah. here, Ian, is not just you know there are lots of people on the web. There are several people on the web. I should say lots. There are several people on the web who have systems that are similar to ours. Uh, but these, this is a system where everybody's working together for the for the same ends. And so when you send a message or I send a message, we're not sending that message alone. We're being joined right. by thousands of others. And so we're all adding to each other's weight. Yes, that was the coordination aspect of it that I think is so excellent in that uh, instead of it just being you picking up the phone and being the lone constituent who seems to care about an issue, when DownsizeDC.org sends out an, an email, there's thousands of people, as you said, that are getting that email, and many of them are going to respond all, pretty much all at the same time and within hours of one another, sending in similar messages together to their representatives. And so the idea is to have more and more people on board with DownsizeDC.org so the, the messages being sent, the volume of messages being sent to these representatives continues to increase and increase. And, you know, hopefully they'll get the message that people in America still give a damn about freedom and liberty. And it has increased. I mean, I had a chance here a couple of days ago, we sat down and started looking at our our numbers over the past year and compared them to previous years. And I was really surprised how few messages we sent a couple of years ago compared to where we are now. And this year, there's only two months this year that we didn't send as many messages uh, or register as many people as we did during that same month in the previous year. Um, But in overall, we're way, way ahead of where we were last year for the number of messages sent to Congress and the number of new people that signed up and joined. That's fantastic. Let's talk about one of the issues that DownsizeDC.org is focusing on right now. Uh, what is uh, the, you know, the, a featured campaign you'd like to introduce to our audience tonight, Jim? Well, I, you know, the one that we're best known for and that we've talked about here before, but since we've got new listeners tonight, I definitely would like to get into is, is our signature campaign, the Read the Bills Act. 
Uh, this is a proposal that Congress should actually have to read the laws they pass. Mm. They don't, as you know. Uh, they have thousands of pages put before them, just hours before they have to vote. Uh, this is not an exception. This happens frequently. Right. Is there and anyone out there that actually does think Congress reads the bills? I mean, they admit <laughs> it themselves that they don't. Well, yeah, they do admit this, that they don't. And so yeah. our proposal, I mean, is, as, as Pollyanna as it might sound to some people, is actually very practical. It says, first of all, that that the Congress has to actually read their bill. They have to see if they're going to cast a yes vote, if they're going to vote in the affirmative to spend money to uh, create or, or keep a current program, pass a new law, that they have to have say on an affidavit that I've, they've read or heard read the bill for themselves. Absolutely. And, and the second part of the, the bill actually gives us the chance to read the bill. Talk show hosts like yourself, you, you know, watchdog groups like DownsizeDC.org, every, every one of your listeners would be able to read the bill because it would be posted online during a seven-day waiting period. After the final uh, reading of the bill, seven days for the public to be able to take a look at it and see what actually is in this bill. And so uh, this is what we call the Read the Bills Act, and it's continuing to build up force, and we see more and more columns about it all the time. We've sent uh, well over 100,000 messages to Congress now through DownsizedDC.org, and I encourage your listeners to come to the site and start there. Send a message saying that you want Congress to uh, pass the Read the Bills Act. Yep, there it is right there on the front page of the website at DownsizedDC.org. Uh, it's, uh, there's a summary there. All kind, you can actually read the actual Read the Bills Act legislation. How long is this legislation, Jim? How much, uh, I mean, is this one of these multi-hundred page? No, it's uh, six pages. Oh, okay. And, and we had to, and we didn't even want to make it that long, but we had to because, A, we recognized that it would almost certainly be legally challenged if it were passed. And mm -hmm. so we've taken care of that with, our, with good, adequate findings in there. And then <clears throat> we also had to think about the ways that Congress might attempt to gain this legislation and find ways to get around it once they pass and made it part of the rules of their body. Right. And so we, we try to make this as airtight as we possibly could, and that's why it took six pages to do. But it's very readable. Anybody can understand it. It's written in plain English as opposed to much of the stuff that does come out on Capitol Hill on a regular basis. One of the, thing, one of the things I like about DownsizedDC.org is that you know you are a, a nonpartisan organization, um, though definitely the, the focus of the issues is certainly coming from a liberty, a pro-liberty perspective. Um, but the, the, the great thing about your organization is because you aren't getting behind candidates or anything like that necessarily, you are able to really reach out effectively to different interest groups. I mean, for instance, the Read the Bills Act is something that I think everyone, whether they consider themselves Democrat, Green Party, Republican, Libertarian, whatever they consider themselves or outside the system even, they, could, they, had, they would have to agree with that in concept. And I think that you've seen a lot of that, a lot of people getting on board. Yeah, that, and I'd, I'd love to comment on that if we could when we come back. We will in moments here. 800 259 231 more with Jim Babka from DownsizedDC.org. This is Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time, with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. Live. It is the live Christmas Day edition of the program. You, as always, can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features for free live streams are there, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. 
We have Jim Babka on the line with us. He is the uh, man behind the president, or one of the, the men behind uh, the great organization known as DC.org, talking about what DC.org is, because we do have a number of uh, new listeners tuning in tonight for the first time in Grand Rapids, uh, as we are doing a special edition of the show there on Wood 1300. Normally you can catch our show if you're in Grand Rapids on the weekends, Saturday nights, from 7 to 10 on WTKG, which is Wood's sister station. Uh, and that, by the way, is WTKG 1230. But we welcome you to Free Talk Live tonight. Jim Babka back with us. Now, Jim, before we get back into what Downsize DC is all about, uh, let's talk about where you're going to be, not this weekend, but the weekend after that. Well, I believe I'm going to be in New Hampshire. Uh, I'm going to be there with you folks and, and uh, speaking to uh, uh, the Free State Project at their annual Liberty Forum, second annual Liberty Forum. And uh, it was a blast last time I was there. It was, an, it was an, a, a, a event that was very different from any other event I've ever been to. And it was quite enjoyable for my wife, Sue, and I to come to and, and meet with you folks. And I will be coming there to, uh, uh, to talk to that group. Excellent. It is the Free State Project's Liberty Forum. And you, as you mentioned, it's the second one. Uh, it's going to be happening January 3rd through the 6th. It's not completely sold out yet, but it's darn close. Uh, so go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to learn more about it. Uh, see who some of the other speakers are that are going to be there. It's just an incredible lineup of libertarian, liberty-oriented speakers that are going to be in attendance there. Everything from law enforcement against prohibition to uh, to anti-tax groups, uh, just all over the, the, uh, the Liberty map. So really looking forward to being a part of this. Of course, Free Talk Live is going to be broadcasting live from there. And when you go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum, if you are ready to register, use the code 2008FTL to save 10%. That's 2008FTL. I know that, Jim, last year uh, you and your wife had sort of a, a little breakfast shindig that you invited people out to. Are you doing that again? Yeah, we are doing it again. Uh, it's called Breakfast with the Babkas. And, and uh uh, we're just going to get together somewhere probably just re- real close to the hotel. I don't know exactly where yet, but we'll have that information shortly to anybody uh, who gets back to us. The email address, if they want to re- uh, reserve a spot and come uh, join us for breakfast, it'll uh, probably be on, uh, I think, Sunday morning at this point, uh, would be uh, comments at downsizedc.org. It's comments at downsizedc.org, and my staff will collect your name and, and uh uh, we'll be getting back in touch with you as to the exact location and time that we'll be doing this. Very good. I know that uh, Julia and myself will uh, be once again making the effort to get up early and attend because it was certainly worthwhile uh, from last time. And of course, you know, it's, it's just one of those many, many things that's going on at the Liberty Forum. There's, uh, you know, everything from your sort of standard convention-y style panels. Uh, you've got, of course, uh, individual speakers and all of it on a pro-Liberty theme. But really, I think the more more interesting part is the people that are attending. Uh, because it's one thing to go and see the big name libertarian names, if you will. I don't know how big they are, but it's one thing to see those folks, and they're great and at what they do. But meeting some of the, the boots-on-the-ground activists that are here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project and, and meeting a number of the people that are coming in and they're looking at New Hampshire as something that they could possibly be moving to, just being around hundreds of like-minded people, people that get freedom uh, and that are moving in the right direction, these activists, it's really an invigorating affair, isn't it, Jim? It is, and, and there were a couple other things I observed about it, too, if you don't mind. I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I have, I've been to a lot of different uh, libertarian events over the years uh, as a speaker or as a participant, and I noticed that uh, the balance between uh, and gender uh, was much better. The ratio was much better at this event. There were couples. There were families. There were people who were really planning a life together there. 
And uh, so it was a place that was you know, more comfortable than usual even for my wife to come, although she's comfortable everywhere we go. We've always been treated very well, but uh, this was a place where we kind of felt like we fit in uh, as a couple. And uh, the other thing I noticed is that these people had lives. I mean, I like talking about liberty and about the things that I value in that area, but we had some uh, really interesting conversations about a wide range of things, the various you know careers and occupations that people did and the things they like to do in their recreational time and so forth. These were people who really just seemed to enjoy life. It was a very positive, upbeat atmosphere. This was not a, a place where people were thinking that the world was going to come to an end or, or talk, focusing on problems. People were positive and upbeat. And uh, just, you know, it was just normal people, but it was just very, very nice. Right. And, and I like that where you, fo- where you say they're focusing on, you know, moving forward and getting active for liberty instead of complaining necessarily about all the awful things that the government's doing out there. Let's get back to uh, DownsizedDC.org. You had wanted to comment on how DownsizedDC.org, this brilliant online system that allows people to easily get in contact with their local representatives and senators and that sort of thing uh, in regards to pro- promoting pro-liberty sort of ideas what you wanted to comment on the uh, the wide variety of people that your uh, your organization is attracting yeah you know downsizedc.org is you know i get to go do interviews like this and i've done about 100 interviews just uh, roughly just on the read the bills act we get called and people say hey this is a great idea come on our show and uh, <clears throat> a little over a year ago i got to go on two shows uh, that were as you know as opposite or polar end of the spectrum as they could possibly be. One was a serious satellite show for gay, lesbian, bi-gen, uh, bisexual, and transgendered peoples, and the other was a show uh, for Christian uh, fundamentalists who believe that uh, that the tribulation is coming soon and the rise of the Antichrist. Both of them learned about the Read the Bills Act and downsized DC. Um, both of them, one was a progressive who's who show, the other was very conservative, and both came away saying, this is wonderful. And in all these interviews that I've done, not one host, not one single host has said, this is a bad idea, this can't work. They've all said, this is a great idea and it needs to happen. Congress should have this minimal level of accountability. And so this is re- reached across all lines. We try to do this as much as we possibly can. Some issues, obviously, are going to have a tinge or a taint of, of leaning one way or the other, and you know, that can't be avoided completely in, 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 in politics. Sure. But the Read the Bills Act, the One Subject at a Time Act, the Write the Laws Act, I Am Not Afraid, these are things that, are not, that don't specifically scream Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or anything else. They're just common sense. Absolutely. Would you say that the only people you've really gotten any resistance from to read the bills are the politicians or the, uh, the people that are working for the politicians? Yeah, and that's the most significant group. And it's, and it's even possible for some people to become a little bit demoralized because we haven't we – you know, that group is going to be so hard to penetrate. Uh, but we will. We've seen on other issues when you can mount the force, when you can overwhelm them and, and just inundate them with pressure and let them know, look, we're really paying attention to what you're doing on this, that you can stop votes from happening. Uh, we just slowed down a vote here again this past, right before they went on recess. They were supposed to get something done back in the beginning of December. We stalled them all the way through December, and now they're putting off uh, renewing the Protect, uh, the Protect America Act, uh, a, a reformed version of it. Hmm. Uh, they're going to put that off now until January. And uh, we saw in the immigration uh, fight where they were attempting to add some real ID provisions. We oh, saw boy. that all kinds of Americans rose up and totally obliterated that bill, not once but twice. I, th- I would have to say that one of the most valuable things I think that DownsizedDC.org does is it really, you keep a watchful eye on these politicians in D.C. The fact is, I mean, even I as a talk show host, I am not able to uh, to ascertain all of the awful uh, things that are coming out of Washington, D.C. because they're just so busy trying to uh, pass new laws. 
and you guys really do a great job of keeping up on that and bringing that information to uh, regular people so they can take action. Whereas most people like you know are like me, where they're they're so busy. Julia, I mean, you work six, five, six days a week. You don't have time to get online and and learn about what's going on no, in DC. I don't. So I mean, that's that on its own is a valuable enough service. Let alone having this brilliant system that you can link people up to at downsizedc.org to where they can actually take action and let their voices be heard on these issues. It's really great, and I highly recommend people get over there and get involved. What's coming up? Give us a little preview of uh, 2008 for Downsize DC. What do you guys have uh, planned? Well, we're, we've got a new website planned. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be launching a very special project uh, that we've been working on. We're going to be taking advantage of a brand-new change in the law that goes into effect tomorrow. We will be the first group in the country to do this. Uh, and, we, and I will give you a little hint. It has something to do with Ron Paul's American Freedom Agenda Act. Hmm. Uh, and that's how we're going to wrap up our year. Uh, I'm going to be out a whole lot more. I'm going to be uh, in New Hampshire in, in uh, January. I'm in California in February. I'm in, in Ohio in, in uh, April. We're going to be getting out and talking to a lot of people. We're just going to grow at uh, speeds that uh, will make this year kind of seem small. Excellent. That's a fantastic vision. And, Jim, I really appreciate you taking your time out from your Christmas Day. Well, Merry Christmas once again to you and Julia and to everybody listening. Very good, Jim. We'll have you back, certainly, at the Liberty Forum. Look forward to seeing you then, and have a great night, sir. Thanks for the time. 800-259-9231. More Free Talk Live on the way. We'll take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Christmas Day edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away. Uh, and enjoy those on us. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we invite you to become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, learn more about the program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. That means that the $3 a month that you send in, and it's completely voluntary, that $3 a month is going to go right back out into promoting the show and getting us on more radio stations across the country, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn about some of the programs you'll get access to, like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, uh, forum, all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. As always, lots to talk about. Uh, let's start things out with a little interesting little poll from the Drug Reform Coordination Network. This from StopTheDrugWar.org. Making the, uh, marking the 74th anniversary of the repeal of national alcohol prohibition, StopTheDrugWar.org has released polling results suggesting that drug prohibition's main supporting argument might just be completely wrong. Drug policy reformers point to a wide range of demonstrated social harms created by the drug laws. Crime and violence, spread of infectious diseases, official corruption, easy funding for terrorist groups, to name a few. While prohibitionists argue that use and addiction would explode if drugs were legalized. I mean, certainly, Julia, I, I imagine you've talked to some people about the drug issue before and... That's one of those objections that comes up. I mean, if we re-legalize drugs, then all of a sudden, all of these people that have been just waiting to get their hands on some crack cocaine are going to rush out into the streets and start getting high. Yeah. You've, you've experienced that. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a common objection that uh, that comes up, and they've done a little bit of polling that basically rebuts it completely. 
Uh, the prohibitionists say addiction would explode. But is it well-founded? Their position? Zogby polling data released today asked 1,028 likely voters, if hard drugs such as heroin or cocaine were legalized, would you be likely to use them? <laughs> I was just going to say that. I have used a, a couple of different drugs for sure, and I've never used cocaine, and I have no desire to ever use cocaine. And if mm-hmm. cocaine was legalized tomorrow, I wouldn't try it because I know stuff about cocaine. I don't like the way cocaine, like, I don't like the way people act on cocaine and, and stuff. You've met cokeheads, not something you want to exactly. get involved in. So, Do you feel like if you hadn't met any people that had used cocaine that you would want to, you know, snort a line or two if it, if it was uh, gone legal? Well, not necessarily, no. I guess if I didn't know anything about cocaine, me personally, I wouldn't use it because I never did a drug that I didn't know anything about beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so even if I never knew any cokeheads, I still wouldn't do cocaine because I know a lot about the effects of cocaine, and it's just not my thing. Now, uh, you said you've done a few drugs. Would you qualify some of the drugs you've done as hard drugs? I don't call them hard drugs. I think some people think anything more than marijuana right. is a hard drug. Um, but I'm, So I'm sure some people would, but I, I don't know. I, don't, I think hard drugs as coke, heroin, meth, um, crack. All the drugs I wouldn't do. Those Heroin. are all hard drugs. Those are. Well, I don't. I've never stepped above the coke line. Gotcha. So, uh, so LSD, you wouldn't kind of categorize that as a hard drug. I mean, that's pretty intense <laughs> stuff. I guess it is a hard drug. I definitely would not advise everybody take it. And when I find out people are interested in taking it, I, I certainly give them some forewarnings and and stuff. So I guess it's a hard drug, but I don't I always ca- called it a party drug. But you've already used that. Like that yeah. it's illegal. Yeah. LSD, MDMA, these drugs, some of the drugs you've used in your life, you've done it regardless of its legal status. That's so true. you've already gone and done that. So I, be, I I I guess the question they're asking here is if these other drugs that you haven't done yet were legalized, would that encourage you to no, want to do that? No. Not at all. Cuz I don't do drugs because of their legal status. I do drugs because of their effects. Right. So had you had an interest in crack cocaine or meth, I would have you done already, already would have done it. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, the Zogby poll asked people, again, if hard drugs like heroin or cocaine were legalized, would you be likely to use them? 99% of respondents answered no. <laughs> now, to be fair, they did ask this of 1,028 likely voters. Which, of course, is how they get, I guess, some of their, their phone information. So I, I'd be interested to hear what average Americans had to say. But even so, it's interesting numbers nonetheless. And while 98, uh, 99% said no to the question, only 0.6% said yes. The other 04 were not sure. So not even a full percentage point actually answered yes, I would go out and, and try these drugs. The results, uh, according to the Drug Reform Coordination Network, are similar to usage rates occurring today under the drug war. As measured by the federal government's National Survey on Drug Use and Health, they found in 2006 that only 0.3% of the population had used heroin in the past month, and 2.4% had used cocaine. Not big percentages. Even for cocaine, the numbers are compatible because Zogby surveyed persons 18 and up, while the National Drug Use Survey starts at age 12, and because of the poll's statistical margin of error of 3.1 percentage points. A comparison of drug use rates in countries with criminal penalties for drug use with the drug use rates of countries that have decriminalized personal use, like the Netherlands uh, for marijuana, also suggests that the policy may play only a secondary role in determining use rates. 
For example, in the Netherlands, where marijuana is sold openly in the famous coffee shops, 12% of young adults between 15 and 24 reported using marijuana during 2005, as compared with 24% in that same age bracket in neighboring France. So, once again, the numbers show that when marijuana has a even just a semi-legal status, because in the Netherlands, it's still not legal to deal marijuana as far as, you know, bringing pounds of it and selling it to somebody. You can't do that. So it's not even completely re-legalized, and the usage rate amongst uh, teenagers is half of what it is in surrounding countries. So what does that tell you? Tells me that making drugs illegal makes people want to do them, which makes so much sense. It's a forbidden fruit. You're not allowed to do it. Therefore, you're naturally attracted to it. What is it? I mean, I can say personally that when I tried marijuana for the first time, I remember being a little scared because Mm -hmm. I was indoctrinated and I'd heard terrible things about marijuana. All my brain cells were going to be fried after smoking it twice. You you knew you were going to get into a car and uh, run into somebody. Exactly. Um, And so I was a little scared, uh, but I, I had to know, you know, everybody told me my entire life at that point that it was terrible and that I should never do it. And I wanted to know why, because if I knew personally people were doing it and they seemed fine, mm-hmm. what's the big deal? So basically the idea is that re-legalizing these drugs takes them out of that forbidden fruit category. It's no longer sexy uh, because you aren't breaking any laws by, by doing the drugs. My favorite example is... Um, alcohol. Now, some people will claim young people drink a lot in this country. However, we do not have, we still have a prohibition on alcohol for kids under 21. That's true. Um, in countries like Europe and oh, I, I guess over there, the drinking age, well, yeah, <laughs> over in Europe. Yeah. Um, the drinking age there is what, 12? And, yeah. and I mean, even, even Canada is uh, what, 18? Yeah, 18. And kids in Europe grow up drinking like a glass of wine at dinner and things right. like that. And they're not obsessed with binge drinking like kids in America are. Not to say there's none of that going on, but you're right. The, the obsession isn't there. They're not as there. obsessed right. at all. They, uh, they definitely have a, a much bigger respect, a level of respect for, right. uh, for inebriation, if you will. Uh, let me continue here from, again, uh, StopTheDrugWar.org. Now, police in France make apparently... Uh, that's where it's an arrestable offense, and again, the, the usage rate amongst teens is double there as compared to the Netherlands. Uh, in the United States, where the police make nearly 800,000 marijuana arrests each year, young adults between 18 and 25 in the, two, in the 2004 survey reported past-year marijuana use at the rate of 27.9%. So almost one out of every three people under the age of 25 have, you know, they smoke marijuana on a fairly regular basis. David Borden from Stop the Drug As War. As I get older, I meet more and more and more people that admit that they smoke marijuana. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's good that, that more people are being a little bit more open about it. Right. Because maybe down the line we'll get to the point where people are just sick and tired of these government prohibitions, so sick and tired that they are, they're willing to, to violate the law in a civilly disobedient fashion and have some sort of mass marijuana protest where people just say, look, you know, we're fed up. We're not going to take this anymore. Please stop relegating us to the black market. Stop arresting our friends and family members for everybody, just wanting to relax with a joint. Everybody, whether you know it or not, you know somebody that smokes marijuana. Oh, yeah. They might not tell you, but you know somebody. The um, Actually, one of I work with a gentleman whose mother is the city clerk. In in Keno oh Hampshire, she's a government bureaucrat. 
doesn't matter. She should have. She should have said she's a government bureaucrat. Well, she's a she's a government bureaucrat, and she knows and is okay with her son smoking marijuana. How do you think she feels about these laws? I don't know, but I don't think she'd like it if her son got arrested. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. We continue with hour number two of Free Talk Live, live Christmas Day edition, in moments. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. It is the live Christmas Day edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. 800-259-9231. As always, bring up anything. We go right into the phone calls. It's Eddie in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian uh, Ian and Julia. Yeah, how you doing, Ian? Hey, Eddie. What's on your mind? Hey, you know, I've been uh, hanging out at the gas station the last few days or so. That sounds like a good time. For Ryan Paul. Say what now? I've been hanging out at the gas station the last few days. Do you work at the gas station, or is that the place to hang out in your town? What's that? You say you hang out at the gas station. Are you working there? or? Oh, I'm working on getting signatures for Ron Paul to get him on the ballot. Now, what are you? Are you sort of loitering, or do you have the permission of? Oh yeah, the... they allow me to stand in there and uh, get the signatures. Oh, okay, that's good. They're good Muslims. And, so uh, excellent. So the idea is, there's a lot of traffic at the gas station, therefore you uh, you stand there and and approach people. Yes, exactly. So you're talking to them about Ron Paul, you said. And uh, so I've really been. It's I, I live in a real mixed na- neighborhood. You know, it's black, white, Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. It's been like this for years. I'm surprised the white people have hung out as long as they have. But uh, besides that, I was uh, black women like Mrs. Clinton, just so you know. Um, and uh, the one thing a lot of the black people, it was surprising me, they want to keep drugs illegal. And the reason is this is uh, a large percentage of them think because then the drug boys will then go out of business, and that's the only way that they know how to have a job. Because if the drugs became legal, then they think then the stores would sell it and they wouldn't have nothing else to do. So then they would have to resort to crime that way, even though... I, I really find that... I mean, I'm, I'm pretty shocked by that. Having, I am too. Having known a number of people uh, who have lived in, you know, again, you know, the downtown areas from, uh, from where I come from, uh, a lot of those folks are, are absolutely in favor of ending the drug war because they understand that uh, their sons or daughters are l- just very, very likely to get caught up in it and get arrested uh, and thereby have a rap sheet for the rest of their lives and, and make their lives uh, – essentially, uh, the drug war are, is ruining these people's kids' lives. I, I'm shocked at that, Eddie, and I, I don't I, know I, how many people you've talked to, but I can't imagine it's that many on that Well, issue. over the last week that I've been up there since last Friday – I've talked to 500 people because I've gotten well over 100 signatures and only one in 10 or 15 people will sign it. So you can just imagine how many people I've talked to over the past week. And I was really shocked that a lot of these people really think that way. 
Well, I'm but, sure that there are some individuals that are obviously, you know, profiting pretty extremely from the war on drugs. Clearly, yes. there are a lot of dealers out there, and, and they come from all over the economic strata. Uh, indeed, it tends to be that it is the dealers and the police that don't want the drug war to end, because certainly it will cut into their profits. That's not to say that they couldn't continue selling drugs after it were re- after they were re-legalized. They just might have to offer a little bit better customer service. Yeah. One more thing. A little more competition. Mm-hmm. My Muslim friends, even though that they're not Christians, they say Merry Christmas to me. So, Ian, I want you to say Merry Christmas. Have a nice day. Thanks for the yeah, call, Eddie. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I said it to my grandma today. Merry Christmas. I don't have a problem saying no, it. No, someone a, says it to me first. Well, I don't have a problem saying it. I just didn't want to do it for Eddie. Oh, okay. One eight hundred two. Merry Christmas, Eddie. Ninety two thirty one. There you go. You got it from Julia, and that's that's, that's even better. better. It is. Uh, so I, I don't really know. I, I feel like Eddie's exaggerating that. I, I can't I can't believe that if you went into an inner city area and talked to people about ending the war on drugs, that you would find any any significant amount of people saying, "Yeah, we should keep it illegal, so I can, you know, my son or whatever can keep making money off of it." Can you can you imagine that happening? No. I, who wants to, who wants I mean I understand that if your 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 kids are selling drugs and they're making money that that's a good thing and all that they're making money but they're risking their lives every single day in order to make that money and in, in the black market there's quite a bit of profit to be made no doubt about it I mean that's what it's all about uh, when the government prohibits a product or service it goes underground and those who are willing to flaunt the law will certainly profit to the extreme when they're able to get away with it but eventually you know their luck's going to run out Someone's going to turn over and someone's going to get caught and they're going to snitch him out. And then the cops are going to go and uh, and arrest them and it's all over then. You don't want that to happen to your loved ones. Who would want that? That's silly. 800-259-9231. Uh, since we were talking about pot, there's an interesting little story at uh, the, the LA Times from a few days ago. Diane Wagman writes in, she says, ah, cancer. One learns so much from being diagnosed with a death sentence disease. Of course, 95% of it is stuff you'd rather not know, but that other 5% is downright interesting. For example, America's next top model is much more fun to watch when you've lost 15 pounds without trying. During chemotherapy, vanilla smells good, but vanilla wafers taste disgusting. And eyelashes really do have a purpose. Without them, my eyes are a dust magnet. But the most compelling fact I learned was about my friends. Not just what you would expect, how they cooked for my family and picked up my kids and took me to doctors and pretended not to notice how bad I looked, and most important, that I could not, cannot survive without them. No, what really shocked me was how many of my old, dear, married, parenting, job-holding friends smoke pot. (laughs) I'm not kidding. People I never expected dropped by to deliver joints and buds and private stash. The DEA could have set a security camera over my front door and made some serious dents in the marijuana trade. Well, I doubt that. Yeah. But going on, she says the poets and musicians were not a surprise. But lawyers, CEOs, Republicans, across the, <laughs> <laughs> across the ideological spectrum, a lot of my buddies, uh, buddies are stoners. Who knew? Okay, I admit it. In college, I smoked dope with the rest of them. I mean, everybody was doing it. An excuse, I don't allow my children. And at, uh, and at parties, I didn't want to be uncool. Plus, I felt my only other option was alcohol, and the sweet drinks I liked were too fattening. 
But that was a long time ago, and since then I've learned to drink bourbon straight, get high on life, and appreciate the advantages of not doing anything you wouldn't want your kids to do. I get high on life and get high on marijuana. <laughs> you can do both. I thought all my friends were the, uh, felt the same, and boy was I wrong. When I surfaced from my chemo haze enough to care about anyone else, I was curious. Why do so many 40 and 50-somethings still get high? I asked my suppliers. Pain was the number one answer. Really? Yep, not just the psychic angst of being mothers and fathers to teenagers, but real physical pain. Hmm. We're all beginning to fall apart, and for <laughs> those who imbibe, a couple of tokes really takes the edge off the sci- uh, sciatica, sciatica. Uh, rotator cuff injuries, irritable bowel syndrome, and migraines. In fact, uh, Julia, you found that it helps with some pain in some instances, right? Oh, yeah. There is nothing that works better, at least not for me, and I recommend this to all the girls at work that, that cry about it. Menstrual pain, take Two a leave, one or two a leave, and smoke a bowl about half an hour later, you are good to go. Get rid of menstrual cramps like nothing else will. You know, really, it's so unfortunate that really what we have to count on here in the world of marijuana and medicinal usage is nothing really that much more than case studies and personal uh, anecdotes. Right. Because if, if we actually had a situation where this was something that could be studied in a laboratory situation, because right now the DEA doesn't want to have anything to do with allowing people to study marijuana in this country. If there were actually ways to uh, to study this drug, we'd really be able to find out what exactly about marijuana does what in the body because there are different chemicals in there and many of these chemicals we were just talking last night that one of the chemical compounds found in marijuana has been shown to halt the growth of cancers so again if we could do more studies like this we could really find some interesting qualitative results about how this can really help people it definitely i don't know if i feel stressed out in any situation I smoke weed, and my brain is instantly clear of, like, it just helps me no. figure things out. Someone might uh, might argue, Julia, that that's because you are a Addicted. marijuana user, and therefore, like, you know, like the caffeine user needing to have his caffeine hit right. in the morning to get his buzz going, you also, um, now, you, know, you slow down when you aren't using, right. and it helps you in that way. But that's not true. I am personally, I am addicted to caffeine. I need my caffeine in the morning, mm-hmm. and I, ha- I have to have a double espresso every single morning. Otherwise, I have a headache and feel just not good. Okay. Um, weed How is that is, different? It's just not the same. I don't ever need weed to feel good. And if I don't smoke weed, I'll feel just great. But I like weed and I've stopped for months at a time and it's never made my life any more productive or I'm more motivated. I'm just as motivated when I smoke it, so why not enjoy it? I, think it's a I common, like it. I think there's a common myth that uh, suggests that all marijuana smokers are lazy, sort of shiftless and lazy. And we'll come back and talk more about this in moments here at 800-259-9231. Uh, get Julia's thoughts and yours as well if you want to chime in or bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is a live Christmas Day edition of the program. We, as always, will take your calls about whatever you want toll-free at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, including the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts for you to surf around through serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all completely free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. 
Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. At SavvyRest.com, 800-259-9231 is our number. It is, again, a live show. We're in the studio uh, doing this uh, edition of Free Talk Live just for you. Why, you ask? Why in the world are you doing a radio show live on Christmas Day? Well... We did a show last night, Christmas Eve, so we're doing one today because, well, simply, you're listening. I mean, if you're out there listening on your your car radio or uh, online tonight, the fact is there are still people out in the world who listen to the radio on Christmas, so why shouldn't they have something live to listen to? I mean, you don't want to listen to another best of, do you? 800-259-9231, and also uh, a special welcome to our one-time special listeners uh, on News Radio Wood 1300 in Grand Rapids tonight. Uh, You guys are getting a special edition of the show this evening, but you can catch this show on a weekly basis on Wood's sister station, WTKG 1230, on uh, Saturday night, so don't miss us then as well. We're talking about marijuana, and what started all of this conversation was uh, an article at the uh, the Los Angeles Times. Diane Wagman, uh, the author, had come down with some sort of episode of cancer and started her chemotherapy. It was after that that her eyes were opened to the world of marijuana users and she's she's expressing some surprise and some shock that it's more than just her artist friends that smoke marijuana uh it's also lawyers it's uh ceos you know people all across the ideological spectrum as she points out that are in their 40s and their 50s people with kids people responsible that are using marijuana and we were just going to touch on this this fact that or this this myth this common commonly held misconception about the marijuana smoker that he must be some sort of shiftless lazy loser in order to you must be that I, kind of person in order to smoke pot i think that that is pretty much caused by stoner movies and the only reason that i i mean a movie about a lawyer who smokes pot isn't funny and that, mm-hmm. that's why there aren't movies about lawyers and doctors who smoke pot. There's movies about dumb kids who sit on the couch all day and do nothing but smoke pot all day. And do you think that? Do you think that uh, marijuana? Because because somebody could make the argument that marijuana dumbs you down. It makes no, you dumb. I don't believe that at all. It I think makes you want to sit some around. Some dumb people smoke weed, and it's not going to help them get active. But I don't think I'm dumb. Maybe somebody does. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think know I'm who dumb. I smoke marijuana quite frequently, I'm my, sure. My One of my old roommates used to say that, uh, you know, he couldn't clean without smoking marijuana. He used to uh, usually get uh, get high on marijuana, and then he'd just, you know, buzz around the house cleaning it. That's, and, if I'm going to clean, I'll get high first, and I'll clean the entire house. Put on some music and just just go to town and and i i get more distracted if i'm not high cuz i don't want to clean really it seems to me and that flies in the face of this you know common misunderstanding about marijuana it it seems to me from my uh encounters and the people that i've known who have been marijuana users Again, once again, from across the the spectrum. I mean, everything from a a taxi driver to a you know a, a lawyer or again an executive, a doctor, for instance. These are people that are obviously achievers. Many of them right. uh, achievers, and they're able to get their bills paid. They're able to feed their families. It's just that 
in the evening when they come home from a hard day at work, instead of relaxing with a beer, they might be interested in relaxing with, uh, you know, a little bit of marijuana instead. That's really the only difference here. It, I think that what you'll see is that people that tend to be shiftless and lazy continue to be shiftless yeah. and, and lazy when they um, when they find marijuana and they get they uh, they get high. Uh, and then those who are productive and those who are uh, not shiftless and lazy are just as they normally are. It's just people just don't they, they don't understand they right. don't, they're not getting the right messages and and of course the the people that are sending most of the messages about marijuana are either the government through their advertising campaign or the the Hollywood movies which many of them have to get um you know they they look for money from the government that sort of thing and so the government vets their their scripts and says yes to this and no to that and so certainly Hollywood has a bit of a skew I think when it comes to uh portraying marijuana in an accurate light I think it's what it's it's really important to point out is that it's it all just depends on the individual people every everybody reacts differently with different chemicals and so some there are some tasks that i can do high and other tasks that i don't like to do high well like, some people with alcohol for instance they uh, react differently right. right i mean some are some people are angry drunks while some are just fun jovial drunks right. like i love to clean high and i have no problem driving high whatsoever but I don't like to... Some people get very frightened Right. About some people get really weird. But I don't like to get high before I come on the radio, for example, because I'd be afraid that I might get a little nervous or stumble my speech. So, just I mean, it just depends on, on, on the activity that I'm doing and what's planned for the day and that sort of thing. And it certainly doesn't make me lazier. Let's continue with the story from, a uh, again, a middle-aged lady in Los Angeles who has had her eyes open to the uh, underground world of marijuana use, which is not quite so underground in California, where I presume she's writing this from, because, again, it's in the L.A. Times. She says that um, she asked her friends, many of them who are in their 40s and their 50s, these, again, CEOs, adults, people with families, why they use marijuana. The number one reason was pain management. People are getting older. They're starting to hurt. They found that this marijuana helps them with that. She said the second biggest reason was anxiety. People we, uh, perhaps we can blame, she says, politics for middle-aged pot use, the war, the environment, the loss of our civil liberties, little things like that. Obviously, some of us use drugs to ease the lives of quiet desperation we never thought we would have back when we were getting stoned the first time. Our drug use is now really the same as in college. Then I got high to relax, to gain confidence, to forget I was an overweight, mediocre college student, terrified of the future. Now we get stoned to relax, forget our disappointing careers, and mask our terror of not just our own future, but the future for our kids as well. Is it so different from my dad coming home from work and having a couple of martinis? I would say not at all. Not at all. I worked with a woman who was very anti-marijuana, but I'm telling you, she had a had a drink every single night after work, hmm. which is absolutely no different from me smoking a bowl every it, night. It after seems work. a little hypocritical. Yeah. She says, uh, or my mother and those little prescribed pills she took when she felt nervous. At least we can rationalize that marijuana is all natural. I spoke to my oncologist about the pros and cons of marijuana use for cancer patients, and he said that he was part of a study 25 years ago on the effects of pot on nausea, joint pain, and fatigue caused by chemotherapy. It worked then, he said. It really helped some people. But now they have great new drugs, such as Amend, so on and so forth, other drugs, she lists, uh, that keep the nausea and other pain at bay. He said the people that use pot now do it because they like it or maybe they use it because they would rather support a farm in humboldt county than a huge pharmaceutical conglomerate after chemo number one i was violently ill anti-nausea drugs notwithstanding i was hugging the porcelain throne that's the toilet by the way 
My body didn't want to be poisoned. I guess I, it just liked cancer better. She says, I was willing to try anything. So I lit up. We'll find out what happened here in moments. 800-259-9231. Uh, you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. We'll get to Dave and Jeremy. And ladies, if you call in, you come first. This is Free Talk Live, the live Christmas Day edition. You can take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. Welcome to the live Christmas Day edition of the program. Things are the same as they always are. We're doing another show here in the studio. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. 800-259-9231. So, as always, you can call in and bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind this uh, lovely Christmas Day here uh, live with you. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have the Shrine of Female listeners there, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com, see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. For SACL CAI, we are telling you a little story from a lady named Diana. She was writing for the Los Angeles Times about her experience with marijuana. Now, Diana's a cancer patient, and I guess it was recently diagnosed. How dare she smoke marijuana? Mm, Indeed. Well, she did dare. In fact, she found out that uh, after she had her first episode of chemo, uh, friends started coming by, and their for- friends in their 40s and 50s. She's a middle-aged woman, and uh, she was shocked, surprised to discover how many of her friends smoked marijuana, but she didn't even know it. People who, as she says, were respectables, you know, CEOs and lawyers and that sort of thing. As I grow older and talk to more people, more and more and more and more people come out of the closet, so to say. Excellent, and I, I think that's going to continue, but let me continue with her story. She, t- she begins to tell us that after her first episode of chemo, she was violently ill. Uh, she was, again, hugging the porcelain throne, and she was taking the anti-nausea drugs that were being prescribed to her. You see, when, when people are taking, uh, when they're being treated for things like AIDS and cancer, a lot of the medication they take and the treatments that they're, uh, that they're going through cause them to be very upset. Their stomachs are very upset. And they found, many of them, that marijuana can be an amazing nausea suppressant. And that if you're feeling sick, you're feeling like you're going to throw up, you smoke a little bit of marijuana. And usually it's only a couple of hits. It's yeah. not, you don't have to take enough to even get high. You just smoke a little bit of marijuana or vaporize it if you don't want to smoke it. Anyway, you consume a little marijuana and then your, your nausea goes away. So she's about to tell us about what happened. Uh, she says she was willing to try anything because the nausea was so bad. She said, so I lit up. It helped. A lot. I collapsed on the couch and zoned out watching Project Runway. I was able to take deep breaths without puking. 
My 15-year-old daughter was shocked. The look on her face was proof that her elementary dare, uh, school DARE program had really done its job. A friend, not a supplier or a user, explained to her it was just to make me feel better, and that if, wor- if it worked, wouldn't that be great? My daughter reluctantly agreed, but I knew she didn't mean it. I'd come full circle in my life. The next time I had to toke, I stood in my bathroom with the fan on, blowing smoke out the window. <laughs> but, but instead of my parents, I was scared my kids would find out I was smoking dope again. Isn't that sad? That's so sad. I mean, it's her house. She, her daughter's not going to go snitch her out. I would think that at age 15, that, that wouldn't be something that would occur. No. And if she's in California anyway, she can go out and get a doctor's prescription right. for it to where it would be completely I legal. Think that- in that case, parents feel sort of hypocritical because they should. You know, because she doesn't let her kids smoke, but here she is smoking pot in the bathroom, blowing smoke out the window. Right. Wouldn't it make more sense to just sit down yeah. and talk to your kid and say, Look, maybe buy them a book, marijuana myths, marijuana facts? That's a great book. But but you know, say, look, um, I was when wrong. I told you, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> That's what you have to do. You've got to eat a little crow, uh, swallow your pride, and admit that I was just telling you sweetie, what it was I was told to tell you. You know, I, I honestly, I tried it when I was in college, and it wasn't a big deal back then, but they've told me so many lies since then. The government has, you know, about how it's so much more potent today, and that's a bad thing for some reason, which it's not. Whenever you hear the DEA say, it's more potent than it ever was in the past. Well, I, I think some people that had smoked it back in the 70s would, would certainly uh, counteract you on that and, and correct you and say there's always been good marijuana available. But even if it was true, even if it really was four times more potent today, then that would be a good thing because it would mean you wouldn't need to smoke as much in order to to achieve the same desired effects. So, again, uh, just parents have been besieged with propaganda from the Drug Enforcement Administration, the ONDCP. Just sit down and say, look, sweetie, I was, I was wrong. I was suckered in by this government propaganda. The fact is, there are so many people that use this. It's helping people feel better. It's helping me keep my food down. So, you know, and then again, I guess at that point, she'd have to understand if her daughter decided she wanted to try it, she'd have to be understanding. She couldn't be hypocritical and continue right. to say, well, I can do it, but you can't. Do as I say, not as I do, that sort of thing. I actually had a pretty good friend, and he grew up in Canada, so it's a little different. It's specifically like British Columbia, where marijuana is pretty acceptable. That's going to change in Canada soon. Yeah. God. Um, anyway. They've got a new drug war coming. Because that worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, anyway, so he told me that he grew up with marijuana, that his pe- family, his mother smoked sometimes, and his dad smoked all day long. Mm-hmm. And when he was very young, their parents sat him and his sister down and explained to them that, you know, they could get in trouble for this, so let's not talk about it. And it was just something they never talked in about. Public, and it to wasn't others, Exactly. Mean. And it wasn't a big deal. And now that they've grown older, uh, the sister smokes every day like the dad. And the guy, the my friend, doesn't smoke at all. He doesn't have a problem with it. It just personally isn't his thing. Right. So par- parents smoking marijuana doesn't necessarily translate right. to kids trying it either. Right. Exactly. And the kid probably grew up with a really healthy attitude about marijuana and drug use in general. I imagine so. Uh, because when you aren't sending the message of just say no, you're sending a message of, well, let's let's honestly look at these drugs. And it's not just marijuana, it's other drugs. But let's, right. take a, let's take a careful look at it. Let's look at ways we can reduce the harm that's going to be done if you do decide to use these drugs. And I don't, you know, I don't recommend it necessarily, but at the same time, I can't say that marijuana has ever been bad uh, for my life. I can't, I can't say that. 
You know, I, I, I have to say that uh, all of the, the terrible things that the government says about it, just it's just not true. Anyway, she continues. She says, the biggest pain of cancer is the gnawing, scratching, bleeding dread that they didn't find it, uh, that they didn't find it all, that you didn't go to the doctor soon enough, that it's growing out of control at this very moment. My doctor recommended meditation. Yeah, right, I thought. More time sitting quietly trying to not, uh, trying to not think about dying. I had carpool for that. Meanwhile, I lost all taste for alcohol. Even half a glass of wimpy white wine could make me toss my cookies, so I turned to my friend Mary Jane occasionally, only when nothing else would do. In the middle of one post-chemo night, my husband was out of town and I was sick. I got up and tried to get the little pipe lit and take one hit so I could maybe sleep. My son heard me struggling and he came into my bedroom. Now, what I'm curious about is how old her son is. She doesn't mention it here. She mentioned her daughter, but not her son. She says, he lit the match for me and showed me where to put my finger on the carburetor, which is the hole on the side of the pipe, to make it draw. I was too grateful to ask him how he knew all this. I'll tell you how he knew all that, <laughs> because... I'm sorry if you know how to how to hit a pipe with a carburetor. You've smoked it before. <laughs> Probably. Uh, he stayed with me until I felt better. It was mother-son bonding in a whole new way. <laughs> Just another reason to say, thank you, cancer. 800-259-9231. I just thought that was an interesting, it is. you know, touching story, a real story of, of yet another example. And there's story after story. It's not just cancer patients. It's multiple sclerosis. It's glaucoma, uh, AIDS patients. I mean, all kinds of different problems. Cerebral palsy, I believe, is, is helped in some ways uh, by marijuana. So we've seen such a different variety of, of just amazing success stories that people have had with this. Depression. There's that too. When uh, I was young, actually, my mother used to tell me that I was I should not smoke marijuana because it makes people depressed. I've heard that before. I've heard that a lot. Um, my brother, when he was probably about 13, he was diagnosed with depression. They put him on all kinds of pills. Mm -hmm. And he chose, when he was about 15, to stop taking the pills. And he got himself off the pills and started smoking marijuana. And it mellowed him out and just made, I mean, I, I swear by, I, I think marijuana saved his life personally. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, he was pretty off the hinges before Oh, he that, was huh? way off the hinges, and now he's he's okay. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. Your call's coming up about anything you want. This is the live Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Christmas Day edition of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. The SACL CAI toll-free line is 800-259-9231. SACL CAI uh, toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away. So enjoy those on us. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and buy some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com. And you'll see all kinds of great Free Talk Live-related merchandise like T-shirts, hats. We've got hoodies, quite a variety of uh, choices, of course, uh, and, and even different colors uh, available for you there. But if you, right now, between now and the end of the year, purchase a Free Talk Live T-shirt at the Free Talk Live store, we'll send $10 to the Ron Paul campaign. Now, 10 bucks is normally what it costs to ship uh, the products at our store. So, of course, the more you buy, the better the shipping deal but uh, and the reason we use ten, um, the reason it's so expensive is because we're using quality shippers like FedEx and UPS. 
uh, instead of using the Postal Service, which, of course, is subsidized shipping, uh, taxpayers are forced to subsidize your rates there. So we don't really like that idea. That's why we charge so much. But what we're going to do is we're going to take all that money and contribute it to the Ron Paul campaign. So essentially, it's kind of like getting free shipping. You're helping the Ron Paul campaign at the same time. That's all if you buy a Free Talk Live shirt at the Free Talk Live store, store.freetalklive.com. Uh, let's continue here and go to the phones Let's start with Dave in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Dave, what's on your mind tonight? Hi, guys. Hey, Hello. what's on update on the Lakota tribe and the, where the Lakotas live is so poor that they have to grow hemp to make money for their tribe. This is the Lakota tribe that we talked about a few days ago on the program. Yep. They have uh, in there there about five states in the Midwest in the mountain regions. Uh, I think it's Montana, North and South Dakota. What else? Nebraska and Wyoming. If you live in one of those states, the Lakota Indian tribe is seceding from the United States. Yep. They've said right. they've had it. They're throwing in the towel on this whole United States of America thing, and they're seceding. And by the way. We are planning on having one of the guys who's behind this, Russell Means, on the show. We're yep. expecting him tomorrow night, so uh, be sure to, to uh, chime in then if you've got any questions for him. Uh, hey, but, go ahead. But the only way they can make money for their tribe is him selling him. And they're allowed to do that? By their tribal rules, yes. I see. That's but not excellent. by the government. Right, so now that they're seceding from America, they'll be able to go ahead and, and grow hemp. Uh, of course, we've yet to see what the federal government's reaction is going to be to this secession. Uh, we don't know if they're going to roll in troops. We don't know if they're going to target them for individual prosecutions or how they're going to handle this. It's brand new. It just uh, just happened last week. And so as we learn more, we'll continue to bring it to you. And Dave, as always, thank you for the call tonight. Right, 800-259-9231. Uh, this, again, the live Christmas Day edition of the show. We continue with Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Julie and Ian. Merry Christmas or solstice or whatever, you guys. Indeed, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, I just can't see how anybody could, uh, you know, the rainbow brother that I am in a way, I don't see how anybody could ever hate somebody as, too much is to go bomb their whole city or, you know, even Hiroshima or any of that stuff. I mean, how could you actually have a problem with someone that much that you have to go... I mean, I think what it is is that people... They've been propagandized by governments. You know, when it's when there's a war going on, whether it be World War II or this so-called war on terror, it's in the government's interest to constantly be propagandizing people and saying, well, you know, oh, those Japs are bad, you can't trust them, or, uh, you know, uh, terrorists are from the Middle East and therefore we need to give them extra security screenings. You know, they, they, they try to paint groups of people as all being the same, and it's just nonsense because uh, it's really just they're, they're playing. The to... violence of the world, Ian. I mean, I mean, I, maybe I'm dumbed down by aspartame or fluoride or whatever, but I cannot understand how I could take someone else's life for no meaning, whether it be kids or you know someone from a different religion or you know because they're gay or anything. Man, I cannot understand the murdering of this planet for the last 200 years, and it makes me sick. Yeah, I absolutely understand your frustration, and as long as governments are around, 
I think you're going to find that the, the killing and the violence will continue. And, Jeremy, thanks for the call tonight, as always. 800-259-9231. Totally understand where he's coming from. And, and it goes, again, back to the propaganda issue where governments, they, they tell people that, well, if you're a member of this group, then you're, you're worthy of suspicion. And it's just, it's just crap. Uh, people are individuals. It doesn't matter if you are of the same, you know, you came from the same plot of land or you, even if you came from the same family, you've got the same blood, you can still be completely different from, from someone else that looks similar to you. When I was 16, I, I thought that um, the world would be a better place if everyone did MDMA, at least on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> and do you still feel that way? Uh, well, I don't think that everybody should do drugs. Certainly not. I think that some people definitely should not do drugs. But I got to say, it did wonderful things for me. I'm not sure how that really relates to killing people around the world. But well, people who kill people, how could you honestly kill somebody if you just took a little MDMA? <laughs> Why would you say that, Julia? I mean, are you, what's the reason for that? I don't know. MDMA makes you feel all warm and fuzzy. And stuff. doesn't make you feel like wanting to kill anyone. No, no, definitely not. You probably would never want to kill anyone again if you... Uh... I I wouldn't have anyway. I mean, I kind of had some nasty thoughts when I was a teenager. And after Mm -hmm. I started eating MDMA, it just, I I don't know, I became much more positive and understanding. Now, now, again, uh, you want to be careful, Julia. You don't want to necessarily recommend that people go out. I already said there is lots of people that I do not think should do drugs. So Uh, my my view has changed since I was Who shouldn't do MDMA? I don't know. I know that there are certain mental disorders that people have where drugs don't mix well. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom should never do drugs. Why? She can't handle it. So it's, so you have to be able to handle it then. You think yeah. that people should try something like a marijuana first before yes. jumping in? And my with... mom can't handle marijuana, alcohol. No. She, she's good being sober. Some people s- are good being sober. Let me see if I can roll that back into <laughs> what uh, what Jeremy was saying about people hating others so much that they would want to bomb them right. or or in the case of drug users put them all in jail you know the, it goes back to the common misconception that all drug users are bad people or all drug users are losers and it's once again you're you're trying to put people into the same group category this collectivist uh collectivist mentality that because you have something in common with another person means that you're the same but that's not true each individual should be judged on an individual basis based on you know what their actions are what their belief system is whether it be on an issue of uh, of you know suspected terrorists or whether it be drug users or what let's start treating people like individuals instead of just assigning them to groups oh you're brown. You've got brown hair. You must be trouble. Right. I mean, what what kind of sense does that make? Oh, your skin is is a little bit uh, tanned. Therefore, I should be suspicious of you. Yeah. How absurd. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Chris in Florida. Uh, Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hey, Mary Xmas, dudes. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, not a whole lot actually. Uh, I was calling about something you were talking about earlier when you were talking about weed. Yeah. Um, Julia mentioned her brother who used to take it for depression. Yeah. And uh, I am her brother. Okay. And would you say uh, that what also, she said was, was accurate? Oh, very accurate, in fact. I was uh, I was a lot different when I was younger than, uh, you know, about the time I turned 15. Or, And also, actually, I'd like to add, amongst the, along with the depression that I had problems with, it also, I was a very anxious young man, and I uh, that helped me out with that a lot, too. I'm now a lot more charismatic and... Uh, 
I have uh, less trouble going up to people, talking to them. Uh, now, wait a minute. Now, now, hold on a second. Don't you think this could have happened just as a result of getting older? You re- how can you um, attribute it to marijuana? Well, because I see a definite uh, distinct, uh, distinct point in my life, and that was before I smoked and after I did. And hmm. definitely after I did, I definitely started to come out of my shell. I was very shy. Uh, that immediately went away. Um, and also, but also being in crowds used to bother me a lot, too, and I would get very shaky, uh, you know, I'd feel nervous as hell, I would tense up, mm-hmm. and uh, afterwards, I really don't get those anymore. That's fascinating. So you would say yeah. that uh, generally had a very positive effect upon your life, then? Definitely. Very good, Chris. Did you have anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, nothing, other than I'd like to say that I said Merry Xmas because I am taking the Christ out of Christmas. <laughs> There you go. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. You know the Christians just loved hearing that one. You know, I've got nothing against people that want to enjoy Christmas. I mean, it's their, uh, it's a religious, certainly a religious holiday. Uh, a lot of people are upset. It that is not a religious holiday. It might have originally been a religious holiday, but I'd say overall Christmas is not religious for people in America. It's just you cultural. No. I really don't think. Some uh, people celebrate it religiously. For most people, it's about presents. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I don't. I personally am not interested in raining on anybody's holiday I'm parade. I'm not either. Wishing uh, those Christians out there a merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah to our Jewish listeners, and you know, happy solstice to the pagans. More on the way. Hour three's coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just three dollars a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And as we launch into hour number three of the program, it is the live Christmas Day edition of Free Talk Live. Ian here with you. And Julia. Actually in the studio performing a show just for you on this uh, Christmas Day. We did one yesterday as well. I can't say for sure yet whether or not we're going to be on on New Year's Eve. We do our best to work as many holidays as possible simply because we know that you're out there listening and you deserve live programming. So we'll let you know as uh, as that develops, trying to bribe a board operator right now into coming in on New Year's Eve. Can you imagine that? Everybody wants to go out and party or something. They don't want to come in and work. So we'll see. You we're can s- go out and party after 10 o'clock. Yeah, that's what I Par- would say. When does partying start before 10? starts whenever you want it to start. Exactly. 1-800-259-9231. So, again, here with you, also with uh, new listeners tonight in Grand Rapids on Wood, uh, News Radio Wood 1300, joining us just for tonight only. And big thanks to Phil Tower, the program director over there, because uh, he's, he's brought us over from his sis, uh, the sister station, the other talker there in Grand Rapids, WTKG 1230, where you can hear us normally Saturday nights from 7 to 10 o'clock at, or excuse me, 8 to 10 o'clock at night i think i said seven earlier no we're on all three hours now correction (laughs) anyway three hours on saturday nights on wtkg if you're in grand rapids if you're elsewhere you're listening on the radio uh thanks for coming on board tonight we're glad you're out there and if you're liking what you're hearing call your local program directors uh you know next business day and tell them thanks for putting free talk live on the air 800-259-9231 uh we go right into the email box to start things out this hour from Phil, he says, guys, you addressed an email regarding free market fire protection, and you left out a few key points. 
as you said, most homeowners will have fire insurance. Now, again, this is in a sort of a, a fantasy free market world because we don't have a free market today. Definitely not. We have a tremendously regulated marketplace, uh, and the government in most places is the agency. It's certainly in most urban areas. It's, uh, it's a, a government fire department, and there's some problems with that. It's not in the marketplace, so they don't respond to consumer demand. They're not really interested. I mean, yeah, they're going to come and, and maybe save your house, but there's no contract. You know, there are no guarantees. Um, you certainly don't really know in many cases what you're paying for the protection. And if it were offered in the marketplace, I think we would see some interesting things happen. I think you'd see competition, and I think you would see that that improved the, the level of service uh, with, the fire depa- with the fire departments that were out there. I think you'd also see innovation, maybe some new innovative ways to have fire protection without just the plain old hose and water uh, approach. So I think that a lot of that stuff would happen if we got the government out of it. Anyway, he says that in a free market situation, Phil says most homeowners will have fire insurance. You said that tenants won't have to worry about having fire insurance since there is already fire insurance on the property. Most, if not all, owners are not responsible for their tenants' property. So I would strongly urge the tenants getting renters or other kind of insurance, which is a, a an excellent suggestion, and that's something that is available out there. Uh, you can uh, You can buy renter's insurance, basically, to cover you for things that can happen to you as a renter. Obviously, it's not going to cover the house you live in because it's not yours, but it's a good suggestion. She, uh, he says, as far as the owners that don't purchase the fire insurance, if there's a fire on their property, there's always a chance they might call the fire department. For an extra fee, the fire department may respond. Now, if the owner's not willing to pay the fee, the fire department could just bring some marshmallows. And that's absolutely uh, going to be the case. If you aren't foresighted enough to purchase fire insurance for your home, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't do something like that. It doesn't seem very smart. No, it certainly doesn't. And I might point out that um, insurance companies usually are going to require, or, or actually the mortgage company, rather, the bank that's giving you the mortgage, is usually going to require you to have insurance. Because that's just the deal. Right. You know, if, you, if they're going to have their money on the line in your house, because when you buy a house, if you're buying it on a loan, it's not your house. It's the bank's house, and you're paying it off. 30 years later, you know, or sooner, if you pay it off sooner, it'll be your house. But until then, it's the bank's. And so the bank says, look, we're going to do this deal with you, but you need to get insurance. And so, of course, fire insurance is going to be one of those things. Theoretically, though, down the line, if you actually purchased a house with cash or if you ended up paying it off, you could theoretically cancel your insurance at that point because then you don't have the deal with the bank to essentially ensure that you have that coverage. So there would be the occasional house, maybe here or there, that actually wouldn't have this fire insurance coverage. And in that case, if uh, it caught fire, you could call and, and order the service. You'd right. probably pay through the nose for it because it's probably not too cheap to have uh, firemen come out. Though it inevitably would be cheaper in the free marketplace. Yeah. Uh, but it would make a lot more sense to have it covered in advance with the insurance policy. That way you just pick up the phone. You don't have to think about paying. And they come and they take care of it. He finally says if the police department enters the free market, the shares are divided between the current employees or sold to the highest bidder. The department operates as a for-profit business. That department, let's just say, was 80% corrupt or dishonest. And it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, knowing cops and how often they can be corrupt and dishonest, uh, what he's talking about is transitioning the government police department to a marketplace uh, protection service. 
And he's saying, well, what would happen if that government police department, when it was government, was 80% corrupt? He says, what incentive will they have to change and become honest since they'll be the one to benefit from what they do? This is probably one of my favorite aspects of transitioning from what we have today to a free market system, is that what it would do is it would separate the people who are there because they want to be there and because they actually want to help people from the people who just want to collect a paycheck. Teachers, for example, is the perfect example of this. There are so many people who get into teaching just because they want a paycheck and only work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, summer vacations, plenty of people. You get tenure after a few years, you're in for life, doesn't matter what you do. This would completely separate the people who actually want to teach from the people who just want a paycheck. Well, they wouldn't have tenure anymore. They exactly. would. Uh, it would be a private market-based situation where the owners could decide to fire them if they weren't performing or right. parents weren't happy with the results that their kids were getting. And in the case with the police department, uh, you know, again, let's say it is an 80% corrupt department. First of all, a, a lot of those lazy kind of cops are going to drop right out because, right. you know, the, the situation is going to change completely. They're actually going to have to protect people for a living instead of pulling them over and giving them traffic tickets. Uh, they're actually going to have to investigate real crimes. So you're right. It would sh- it would separate the uh, the good quality employees from the the crappy bureaucrats. And as far as corruption is concerned, some of the other ways that can uh, manifest itself, obviously, is in you know the war on drugs, where the cops might take some drugs or take some cash. Uh, they wouldn't be able to enforce a war on drugs. There would be no war on drugs with a market-based police department because, again, the only reason those people would be hired would be, would be to protect individuals from force or fraud. So their mission would be completely different. Right. It would not be a mission of, okay, guys, go out there and write some tickets or, you know, go bust those potheads or those college kids drinking out, you know, at their college parties. And none of that would happen anymore because none of those so-called crimes involve a victim. Now, if there's a victim involved, if you've harmed someone's person or their property, then yeah, the the department is going to respond. That's going to be kind of a, one of the jobs they're going to be taking uh, taking control of. So in those instances, there's no opportunity for corruption. There's still a chance that maybe a sadist might be on the on the squad and you know might be interested in getting his way or I don't know threatening a woman possibly with uh, you know he'll with arrest if she doesn't uh, perform fellatio on him that sort of thing maybe some sick control freak might still be there right but if as soon as he tried to use his control freak mentality as as soon as he tried to wield that over one of his customers yeah uh, they would be on the phone with the head right. of the department immediately and in this case the head of the department would actually have to do something about it right because their reputation and business is on the line exactly unlike today where if you have a complaint about the police you're lucky if they even have a complaint we're form. going to investigate it and there's right. an investigation and and maybe he'll get suspended with pay, and then everything's forgotten about and pushed under the rug. Sure, a few months because later, because they don't have to change. With. Exactly, they don't have to fire the guy. They don't have to change their policy. They don't have to do anything differently in today's situation. Because regardless of how satisfied you are with the police and how how they behave in your town, they're going to get funding next year. It doesn't matter what you say. It's tax-funded, so every single year, the funding comes through, regardless of how corrupt the department is, how awful they are, how tyrannical they are, they continue to get funding, and usually they continue to have their funding increase. Whereas if it were a market protection agency in competition with other agencies, which is another factor you don't have today with government police, they're the only ones, no one else out there to to really hire. Uh, So if you're working in the marketplace where there's actual competition, then... then you can take your business to the competitors. 
If you don't like the way a police, one of these uh, private protection agencies is behaving, you don't like their policies, you don't like their employees, complain about it. And if changes aren't made, go across the street. Go to the competitor and give them your business. That's how they would uh, get into line and how the sadists would be kicked out of the business and how the, corrupt, uh, the corruption would be eliminated. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is the live Christmas Day edition of the program, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are completely free. We've got archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, and if you're one of our new listeners there in Grand Rapids, uh, you've missed a whole bunch of it. So head over to freetalklive.com, and you can grab up to the entire last Last year of the program, completely free on the front page of the website. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on November 14, 2007, and all its, of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money or destroy the Liberty Dollar. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go right into the phone calls here. Talk to Gene, the Christian anarchist, calling from Wuhan, China, I believe. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live. Merry Christmas, everyone from China. Hey, same to you, Gene. Uh, how goes it out there? Pretty good. I went to a uh, Christmas service at a church here in Wuhan yesterday because mm-hmm. yesterday was Christmas here. Now, um, yeah, because it's tomorrow there as we're uh, as we're talking to you. Yep, it's tomorrow morning. Now I, I'm time warping. Now, back in, uh, you know, many years ago, a Christian church service would not have been something you could find in China, right? Actually, that's the urban legend. Really? My wife, yes. My wife, when she was going to college here in Wuhan, uh, the college kids could go to this, actually, the same Christian church that I went to for Thanksgiving dinner. So hmm. churches managed to survive no matter what kind of uh, government you seem to have persecuting them or making it difficult to exist. Now, I find it unusual and uncomforting that uh, there was a police officer in attendance at the uh, at the meeting in his uniform. I'm assuming that the purpose was to make sure nobody got any funny ideas and started saying something they weren't supposed to. This was at the Christ the Christian uh, Christmas ceremony. Yes. Uh-huh. Huh. Now you actually had sent me some pictures, uh, and I know you've got a blog out there somewhere, so people can actually see you traveling around uh, in China with a Free Talk Live T-shirt on, which I just thought was uh, the coolest thing. Yeah, I sent you those, and uh, you can use them for dark practice or whatever you want to do with them. I uh, also was wearing my Ron Paul shirt, and I managed to talk to a couple people about voting for Ron Paul. No kidding, couple of American people or Chinese people. Actually, uh, this one guy, he's a Chinese person visiting his homeland. He lives in, uh, in the, uh, the United States, and he's a citizen, so he can vote. So I did manage to talk to him about Ron Paul and kind of get him to at least be interested in looking at it. He, had, he was very uh, apathetic towards voting at all. Very cool. Now, didn't you, don't you normally have a mission when you come to China? Because usually you call us when, when you come to China, and I know last time it was to try to find a, a cop car. What was it this time? Right. Well, this time I wanted to find a stop sign. Okay. Unfortunately, it turns out I'm not going to probably ever find one. I asked the, uh, our taxi driver, the guy that we use on a regular basis in, uh, in Beijing, and I asked him if he'd ever seen one. He said no, so I doubt if <laughs> 
if a taxi driver has never seen one, I don't think I'm going to see one. Now, they have stop lights, correct? They do have stop lights, but uh, intersections that are uncontrolled are simply uncontrolled. Wow. Wow. There are no stop signs. So there no, no yield signs or any sort of suggested driving uh, measures? Nope, not really. Traffic in China is more of an organic experience rather than an uh, organized experience. What, is that, what does that mean? Everything just kind of flows at its own pace and its own rate. And, uh, you know, if there's two inch, it kind of reminds me of a blood vessel hmm. and all the corpuscles rushing through the blood vessel. Interesting. They're going to they're gonna take up every square inch and every every uh, available space and, uh, and just keep going into those spaces until they get blocked up and jammed up and then they, you know, then you have a heart attack or something. So any <laughs> other observations so far, Gene, from your trip? Um, the, the one about the uh, police officer in the service that was probably my most um, striking experience, uh, observation this time. Also, I have noticed a lot more police cars there is, there are a lot of cameras here, but mostly huh. um, the cameras aren't so much in the stores like we have. Uh, really? There, there are cameras on an intersection, but I know how things are in China. Chinese things are not maintained very well. Right. Right. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, so I would imagine that half of the cameras they got on the street work. <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> yeah, and these are tra- strictly traffic light traffic right. cameras. The ones I've seen. I don't see cameras. You know, poking out of uh, light poles, looking at the people on the streets. You know, I don't see any of that. Huh. Um, there are a few cameras on some private, uh, you know, like apartment complexes that are supposedly there to you know, make people right. feel more. Right. So you don't feel like it's as uh, police statish as, say, a Chicago or New York or Washington D.C. Then? No, we we still have the edge on police state as far as information technology. When you say we have the edge, you mean the United States has more of it? Yes, we definitely have better technology for snooping on you. Here you can actually buy a piece of property with cash. In fact, that's the way the transaction occurs. Um, My wife's family recently purchased a property over here, and they had to go to the bank, withdraw a bunch of cash, and take a big old box of cash over to the place (laughs) to buy their real estate. Wow. You try uh, that in America, and the cops pull you over, and they'll confiscate all the cash. Right. You definitely have more uh, economic freedom here than you do in the States. Interesting. Gene, as always, uh, good hearing from you. Enjoy the rest of your trip, and happy holidays to you, sir. Happy Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. Very good. Talk to you later. Thanks. 800-259-9231. always find it interesting to hear from people uh, in other countries, whether they live in those other countries or they're um, somebody who's who's visiting, just because uh, it's it's fun to be, you know, cultured through your eyes. I don't have the the time or ability or luxury to be able to uh, be traveling in that sort of a fashion, and so it's always kind of kind of neat to hear those sorts of things from people. 1-800-259-9231. I guess in a related story, since we're talking about the police, uh, the police state and that sort of thing, coming up, there's one state where police in America are going to be collecting fingerprints on traffic stops. Uh, We'll tell you what that's all about, but first let's talk to Vince in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live, Vince. Oh, Mark and Ian. Mark's not here tonight, but Julia is. What's on your mind? Okay, okay. Well, I like listening to your program, and you talk about the very essence of freedom and and all that. I was going to suggest something to you, because we had a nice big property tax in our local elections, and uh, 
one of the things that they suggested was to get rid of about seven or eight elected officers mm-hmm. and have a county executive. But now, here's their proposal. They hire, you know, we elect the county executive, and then the county executive would hire those same people back. <laughs> now, come on. Now. <laughs> so wouldn't that, uh, wouldn't that add an extra position? Let's, I think it would. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Who's seriously you know, making would, proposals like that? Is this like the city council or something? No, this was the state of Indiana. Oh, jeez. Once you get rid of the many elected officials and cut down from 11,000, some odd elected officials down to 5,000. But then those people wouldn't be elected anymore. They'd be hired by the town manager or the county manager or whatever. So effectively, they'd be even less accountable than they were before. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, Vince. I just want to suggest one thing. Yes, quickly. Uh, uh, Libertarian Platform, 1992, had this on their election. We'll come back to you, Vince. Hang on. 800-259-9231. And talk to you about whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number on this the live Christmas Day edition of the program. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there are completely free. So enjoy those on us. And those features, by the way, include the wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Just head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive there, wiki.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. It's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. We continue with your phone calls. Vince had another point he wanted to make, so we bring him back in Indianapolis. Vince, you're back on Free Talk Live. Well, thanks again. I appreciate that. I just want to point out something. In our general elections, we need to have none of the above on the ballot. Absolutely. And if that none of the above wins, that office is not filled. I think that's a fine idea because I I think that I don't know if none of the above actually appears on any ballots in America. I would like to know if it does. Does anyone know of a uh, a county or city somewhere in America where that's actually an option? I, I don't think so. Vince, thanks for the suggestion, as always. Appreciate the call, sir. 800-259-9231. Seriously, if you know of one, I'd love to hear about it. And I'd love to hear if, uh, you know, if, if it's ever won. Because I would think if none of the above was on the ballot, there would be a good chance of it actually winning some elections. 1-800-259-9231. I would personally love the opportunity to vote for none of the above. Yeah. But I think that I think that the people in government... They understand that most people don't really like them. I think I think most Americans, they'd really rather not deal with the government if they didn't have to, but they feel like because it's always been there that government is necessary. 
that government uh, you know is a necessary evil or something like that, and we need to have it. Uh, but and I think the government knows that the government people are aware of how unpopular they really are, and I think they're frightened to death. Yeah, of, I, I agree. You know, of the uh, of the idea of putting a none, uh, none of the above on the ballot to really give people an official way, a real way uh, to qualify how upset they are and how disgusted they are with all this government uh, taxation. I mean, Vince was talking earlier about Indianapolis. I think it's Marion County there. It might be the state of Indy, but I I think at the the very least in his county, they have uh, dramatically raised property taxes, like... 60% 60% or something like that. That's a lot. And well, I mean it was like 1% before so now it's 1.6, but still it is a lot because it's uh you know people aren't expecting those things to happen. And you know when when those things happen people get pretty darn upset. But when the election season comes around, you usually have, you know, big government person number uh, person A versus big government person B, and there's no they're very rarely uh, someone who's principled, who's pro liberty that you can vote for. So most people stay home. I mean, just look at the voting results from local municipal elections around the country. You're lucky if you find more than 10% of the people to come out and vote. Yeah. Now, if there was actually a none-of-the-above option on the ballot, I think that would do some uh, some pretty interesting things for the electoral process and would really start to register how many people are pretty ticked off. Because the, the polls show that, what is it, 11% of Americans are satisfied with Congress, uh, 20% or 25% of Americans are satisfied with what the president's doing. That's tremendous. Those are tremendous numbers in our favor. Numbers that are that are uh, pro freedom, presumably. I mean, they're certainly anti government, so by default, that's pro freedom. Uh, certainly, very interesting numbers, and in some that we should capitalize on in any way we possibly can. So, I'd love to see that happen. It's a great idea, Vince. 800-259-9231. Uh So, lots to talk about here. I mentioned that. There's going to be a story about one state in America that has police now fingerprinting on traffic stops. They they just can never have enough information about you. They always have to be collecting. I mean, not, either they're collecting more taxes or they're collecting more of your personal data. Uh, this one's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. In fact, it's apparently uh, is it this entire state? Well, anyway, if you're ticketed by Green Bay Police, this according to WBAY.com, you'll get more than a fine. You'll get fingerprinted, too. It's a new way police are cracking down on crime. If you're caught speeding or playing your music too loud or other crimes for which you might receive a citation... Or if they don't like the bumper stickers on your car... Sure. Well, there's all kinds of reasons they can target you. Exactly. Green Bay Police officers will ask for your driver's license and your finger. You'll be fingerprinted right there on the spot. The fingerprint appears right next to the amount of the fine. Police say it's meant to protect you in case the person they're citing isn't who they claim to be. But not everyone's sold on that explanation. Captain Greg Urban said, What we've seen happen in the last couple of years is increasing use of false or fraudulent identification documents. Police say they want to prevent the identity theft problem that Milwaukee has, where 13% of all violators give a false name. But in Green Bay, where people, uh, where police say they only average about five cases a year, drivers we talked with think the new policy is extreme. So five cases 
is what they have per year of people putting a different name down or giving them, a, you know, giving a false name for a ticket. And Five cases per year yeah. out of how many people do they pull over? Countless. That's ludicrous. I mean, that's what they do all day, right? So it's probably thousands of people that get that get pulled over every year. So this just goes to show the government will use the flimsiest of excuses to try to increase the uh, the sort of this police state that we have surrounding us. The idea that they need to collect your fingerprints on a speeding ticket is just asinine. They they don't need this information to collect money from you. They've been they've been getting money out of people right. just fine. And if for they're decades. not getting money from five people a year, oh please, they mm. get so much freaking money. It's disgusting. Well, when someone um, gives them false information, isn't that another crime? I mean, shouldn't that person be? I, I'm not saying that it should be a crime, but isn't right. it? Yes, I mean, shouldn't it is. that be something where they they get very upset about the false information and then they investigate that person, try to find out who he really is, and then slap him with a you know delivering false information charge? Yeah. Wouldn't they want that? Wouldn't they want to go after those people for that reason? So, it's it's this is just about collecting your personal information. It's about collecting your biometric data. And some people are, are, I think, rightfully upset at this. Uh, Ken Shearer, one of the residents in the area, said it's going too far. You look at the ID, that's what they're there for. Either it's you or it's not. I don't think that's a valid excuse. But, you know, these cops, they don't need a valid excuse. Because as we were talking about earlier, it's a government police department. They are a monopoly on these uh, these services. And so there's there's nowhere else you can turn to. And they don't really need to give you an excuse. They could just they could just issue a diktat that says, OK, from now on, we're collecting fingerprints. And then next year, we're going to start collecting blood samples. Uh, and then the year after that, it's going to be uh, retina scans. OK, fecal samples are coming next. I mean, <laughs> they could just go as crazy as they want to. And most Americans are going to, they're just going to bend over for it, because that's what they're used to. Americans have been conditioned to accept these continually increasing police state tactics. And they always notch it up, just a little bit at a time, just a little bit at a time. They'll never go full bore, okay, we need fingerprints, we need you know samples, we need this and that, all at once. They'll never do that. It'll always just be one thing here. Then down the line, six months later, there'll be something else, and people are just sort of suckered into it. And they're, of course, they're lied to, and they're told this is necessary. It's not necessary. And this wouldn't be going on if it were, again, a market-based police system, which we've talked about, where there's competing agencies offering protection services. No one's being protected when a police officer pulls someone over for speeding. Come on. Who hasn't seen the police themselves speeding down the road in the middle of the night without their lights on for no particular reason? Just because they can. They do it just because they can. And plenty of cops will tell you that. So who hasn't seen that? And everybody speeds. Come on. We all, pretty much everyone who's ever been behind the wheel of a car has sped on purpose before. Whether it's to get somewhere faster or whatever your reason is, maybe you just like to go fast, it's not necessarily a dangerous activity. But now they're going to be fingerprinting you for it. But that's not all. It's not over uh, because there are some other police departments. Seriously, in Utah, the Utah Highway Patrol recently has been talking about uh, taking blood samples from people. And the FBI is busily building a huge biometrics database. We'll tell you about that on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Only moments remain. And this the live Christmas Day edition of the program, 800-259-9231. 
is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and still plenty of time for you to take control of the airwaves. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are completely free. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then we would ask that you go shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You've got shopping to do. Uh, Maybe you just got a windfall of cash on uh, Christmas Day from family members or friends or whatever, and uh, you want to go out and blow some of it. Well, don't go out. Just go online at amazon.freetalklive.com. There are 41 categories for you to shop in, all kinds of uh, different products for you to buy, even used items. Free Talk Live will get a cut as long as you enter through our little portal. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. So we're talking about a story uh, from Green Bay, Green Bay, Wisconsin, WBAY.com, reporting here that apparently the police in Green Bay are going to start asking for fingerprints when they ticket you. Now, notice I did say they're going to start asking for fingerprints. And, of course, that's where it always starts, because it's like I was talking about before, they take it step by step. You know, first they're only asking, then they're demanding. Now, if you know anything about the way police behave, you know they're trained to be intimidating. They are trained to freak you out. They've got a gun on their hip. That's scary enough. Then they've got the demeanor and the glasses and the skinhead and whatever else, whatever other factors you want to throw in there. They're intimidating people. And it's hard for people to remember when they're being pulled over. It's, it's hard to remember, but I think it's important to remember this, that these police are just people, too. They try to pretend like they're something else. They try to pretend, some of them, that they're, that they're superhuman. Uh, but the fact is they've got problems just like you do. They've got issues. They're, uh, you know, they had an argument with the wife last night. Whatever. They've got a problem. So please remember that when you're dealing with these folks, they're just regular people with guns on their hips. So to that extent... Or to that end, uh, I certainly understand why people give in to the cops and while, why they follow the orders, because they're scared to death. And these, are, these can be very scary people, uh, the cops. So now they're going to start asking people in Green Bay, and this can spread. I don't know if this is for uh, the entire state of Wisconsin or it's just Green Bay, uh, but it, you can expect to see tactics like this coming to a police department near, near you. In fact, I don't think it's just the Green Bay Department. I think there are other departments across the country that have started doing this, when you get a speeding ticket, they're taking your fingerprint. Now, a local uh, local, uh, local of Green Bay, Carol Pilgrim, says, I would feel uncomfortable, but I would do it. And that's sort of the mentality of many Americans when it comes to this security state. And, of course, all of this security state stuff is really more window dressing than anything else. Uh, security theater, as it has been called. But this is how most Americans react. Oh, it's frustrating. It's annoying. They feel like it's unnecessary, whether it be this fingerprinting thing or whether it be the TSA demanding that they take their belts and their shoes off. It seems it all just seems so silly to many people, but nobody wants to be inconvenienced. Right. So they're going to they're willing to go through the process of being fingerprinted if it means the cops will leave them alone and let them get on with their day and get on with their work because before they got pulled over they were trying to get somewhere so they could do something whether it be pick up the kids from school or go to work to see a, you know get a meeting or whatever people are busy and they want to be doing what they want to be doing not dealing with the cops so they they do what they're requested even though defense attorney Jackson Maine says that citizens have the right to say no to the fingerprinting. He says they could say no and not have to worry about getting arrested. Then he adds this. 
On the other hand, I'm like everybody else. When a police officer tells me to do something, I'm going to do it whether I have the right to say no or not. And that's exactly why many drivers are uneasy about the fine print in this fingerprinting policy. Police stress that the prints are just to make sure you're who you claim to be and don't go into any kind of database. You've got to be kidding me. They're telling people that they're not putting this into databases? Well, we'll talk about the FBI here in a few moments, but uh, I, I don't believe them for a moment. And even if it's true now, it's not necessarily going to be true in 2008. Because... These people can change laws at any time. Now, I understand the cops don't change the laws, but the laws can be changed any old time, and they have no obligation to tell you. So if it's true that they're not putting it into database right now, down the line, a year from now, when they change the law to say that, A, this is no longer an option, it's mandatory, and B, we are going to be putting this information in databases, then that'll get another news article, maybe, Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll just go unnoticed. Maybe it'll just be one of many laws that the legislature passes or the city council passes that just flies by the notice of the media. And then all of a sudden this stuff is mandatory and no one's talking about it. So that's certainly a possibility. In fact, I would say it's likely. Just because of the way government works. I mean, government keeps getting bigger. It keeps getting more intrusive. This is the way things go. So just wait for this to happen. I guarantee you, and and I feel so bad for the you know the mentality here of these people. It's like, well, I don't want to, but I'll do it anyway. Okay, as the lawyer says, I'm going to do it whether I have the right to say no or not. Because when a police officer tells me to do something, I do it. And the police love this mentality, and it's a very dangerous one. It's dangerous to your liberties. Because when the police make an absurd demand or they give you an absurd order, you should be able to question that. But what they've been doing recently, as we've seen with example after example, they're starting to use tasers for order compliance. The original concept behind a taser was to uh, to get people to comply if they were being resistant. So if the police were trying to get uh, someone to, to, you know, first trying to arrest someone on a scene and the person were fighting back against the police or threatening the police uh, with a fight, then because the person, uh, the individual, had escalated the conflict, the police could then use the taser to get the individual under control. But if it's just a matter of the police saying, you know, give me your fingerprint and you refusing, it can very easily get to the point where that gives the, uh, the cop the excuse to tase you. Because there have been plenty of instances where the police have pulled out a taser and used it on someone when there was no threat of violence whatsoever. And they've been completely backed up by the departments. They've been completely justified to where the uh, the departments have said, "Well, it's by the book, you know. If you don't if you don't comply, you fry with the taser." That's the way it happens in many police departments across the country. I'm not saying they all do it, and I'm not saying that all police behave in this way, but it's happening more and more. So when the police give you an order, there's a chance they could just tase you. And that's where this could go down. I mean, this, that's what this could come to in Green Bay. It could become mandatory, and if you refuse, then the police can, you know, they get to use their little toys on you. I would love to hear what you think about this, even in these remaining moments at 800-259-9231. Related story out of uh, Clarksburg, West Virginia, the Washington Post reporting. 
that the FBI is embarking on a $1 billion effort, that's your money, to build the world's largest computer database, uh, database of people's physical characteristics, a project that would give the government unprecedented abilities to identify individuals in the United States and abroad. Digital images of faces, fingerprints, and palm patterns are already flowing into FBI systems in a climate-controlled, secure basement here. Next month, the FBI intends to award a 10-year contract that would significantly expand the amount and kinds of biometric information it receives. In the coming years, law enforcement authorities around the world will be able to rely on its iris patterns, face-shaped data, scars, and perhaps even the unique ways people walk and talk. They want to store all of this information about you in their little centralized database. Does that make you feel good? Does that, does that warm your heart inside? You really feel safe and secure as a result of that? I can tell you I don't. I, that kind of, it kind of scares me. The more information they have on you, the more awful things they can do to you. They claim they want to solve crimes, of course, and identify criminals and terrorists. And if, and if it were true that they just wanted to solve crimes like real crimes where people are harming other people, then that'd be one thing. But the fact is we live in a society where there's a war on drugs and there's a war on terror and a war on immigration. Uh, you know, again, when, when it comes to drugs and immigration, no one is harming another person. But yet we all get caught up in this, this war that the government is prosecuting and we all lose our freedoms as a result. We're told that it's okay because the government just wants to keep us safe and it's just nonsense. The more, the more information government has on you, the easier it is for them to come around and get you if they decide they want to, for whatever reason. And don't tell me it can't happen here, because it has happened here. It happened in the 1940s when they went around and, confis- and uh, just snatched up all of the Japanese Americans. Now, all they had at that time was information from the census, just names. You know, they went down and uh, and looked in people that had Japanese uh, names or had indicated Japanese heritage. They went after. It's happened here. So don't say it won't happen again. And now they continue to increase their si- the size and uh, scope of these databases. This federal government is out of control. And, it, and it's filtering down to, to the local police levels, too. I can't imagine there's anybody that really feels good about this besides power-hungry bureaucrats. It has been Ian here with you. Julia had to run out. She'll be back with us later uh, at another date. And, of course, we'll be back live tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Merry Christmas to you. You cannot truly appreciate the beauty of a Silver Liberty dollar until you hold one in your hand. The way it catches the light, the heft of an ounce of silver, and the profile of Lady Liberty as she ponders a future bright with hope. That hope starts with the Liberty dollar. In just a few short years, over 20 million Liberty dollars are in circulation, with more than 100,000 people using the currency on a daily basis. Go to LibertyDollar.org. Stop being ripped off. Start using the Liberty dollar and return America to value one dollar at a time. Call 888-LIB-DOLLAR and visit LibertyDollar.org. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 